You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt. Director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin our proceedings here today by calling in the Helping Spirits. So I call out first to our ancestors, to those people who lived well and died well, those people who bring all that is good and true and beautiful, that legacy, into the lives of their descendants. So I call out to these ancestors to circle round us here today. And I especially call out to the grandmothers. In traditions around the world, it is the grandmothers who have held the highest levels of wisdom of the people. And I especially call out to those ancestral grandmothers who held the wisdom of the people in many, many, many different peoples around the globe. And I ask them to gather with us here today because though we listen in our contemporary time, we must come to understand that we are one family of humanity and the grandmothers carry the wisdom for all of us. So I call out to the ancestors to be with us here today to gather around that we might do well what the living are called to do in this day. And with the ancestors gathered round, I ask each one of you to move your energy from your mind to your heart and your heart to your belly and for your belly to extend down into the earth, reaching down through all the layers of the earth all the way to the very center of the earth. And then to allow a pulse of energy from your own heart to extend down that grounding cord into the earth to give thanks to the earth for this day. Thanks for the beauty and wonder of this day. Thanks for life. Thanks for this experience and this great diversity of life and for all of the beauty around us. And for especially for that beauty that comes to us disguised as things we do not understand and do not want. We give thanks for the beauty of these gifts and the way that the secrets of life are hidden for us to unfold, to make our life the great adventure that it is. So we give thanks to life and thanks to the earth for the wonder of her dreaming that brought this experience of life as we know it to the face of this planet. And with our energy extended down into the center of the earth, we draw the energy of the earth up, drawing up restoration, rejuvenation, replenishment, just as we would draw up and call out the fresh spring water bubbling up on a hot, hot day after a long, long hike. And so we call up the energy of the earth into our body. And as it rises into our body, let us begin to feel and acknowledge and express the energy of grounding and connection, the energy of belonging, of hearth and home. And the energy that is within each one of us is that capacity to feel the great web of life, to feel this oneness and interconnection, and to know our place in that energy. And so we call up to the energy of the earth and we ask this energy to bring to us the wisdom of manifestation. How can we be here in form in a good way with all living things? And with the energy of the earth rising into our bodies, up into our bellies, and from our bellies to our hearts, and our hearts to our mind, let us extend our energy all the way up through the sky, 
out through the atmosphere and out all the way into the cosmos, reaching up through the physical sky, the physical energies of above, out into those spirit energies, to the very source of all things. And we call out to this energy, great mystery that it is. We call out to this energy and draw it down, drawing down this highest wisdom of the universe into our minds, into our hearts, into our bellies. And as we draw the energy of the sky realms down, we call into our circle here today the energy of blessing, the energy of protection and generosity the energy of devotion, the energy of the great benevolence of our universe. And we call these energies in. Let us trust them and allow them to help us, to guide us in this day. And as these energies come into our body and the energy of the sky meets and merges and mixes with the energy of the earth, let these two great lovers dance within you so that the big love of the yin and yang, the Tao, moves within your body. And may this energy awaken and spark the life of the heart, the spirit of the heart. And we call out to the energy of the heart to open to us here today and to be that powerful crucible that it is that can bring up the fiery energies of the belly and the crystal clarity of the mind and bring these energies together in such a way that that dynamic tension gives birth to a third energy, which is our awareness of why we are here. What is our soul's purpose? What are we doing here in this day? And we ask that we find in our heart the courage to take that unique genius out in the world in some way, large or small, and to make our purpose real and manifest in the world. So with these energies gathered around us, the earth below, the sky above, and the heart connecting here in the center of it all, we give thanks for this day and thanks for the spirit energies that assist us. And we give thanks for you, the listeners, who are generous enough to offer um, the largesse of your life, that we may keep the show alive and on the air and free and available, not only here each week, but also in the archives at whyshamanismnow.com, that these are available to anyone who has access to the internet. And in this way, we hope to spread this information, infuse it into the lives of people all over the world, that we might come together truly in an active, viable, loving sense of oneness on this globe sooner rather than later so i give thanks to pauletta and kevin and sarah and all of the listeners who have donated to the show in the last week if this show is meaningful to you in any way if it moves you in the heart even if it moves you to frustration and irritation it has moved you and if this show does move you in the heart may you allow that motivation to move you into action and to do something to help the show to grow. To donate, if you can, it's easy. You go to whyshamanismnow.com to the website, click on the support uh, the show button and donate any amount of money, large or small. It all goes directly to keeping the show on the air. If you go to my website, lastmasscenter.com, click on the radio show banner and it will take you to the radio show site where you are welcome. And uh, we give thanks for your donation. And for those of you that cannot, I just ask you to help to the show to grow in some way through your actions in your life, through the wisdom you share with others, through what you choose to journey about in your journey circles, whatever it is, your questions you send to me, whatever it is, do something to give back in some way so that the energy continues to cycle and to nourish and to be viable here in the world. So thank you all. 
Without further ado, I would like to give one final rousing thanks to um, Tammy Kent for being with us here today um, for our show topic, which is the medicine of the wild feminine. Welcome, Tammy. Thank you so much, Christina. I just so enjoyed that beautiful blessing and what a blessed way to start the day. Thank you, Tammy. Oh, and I forgot, we need to thank um, the Society of Shamanic Practitioners for sponsoring our show here today. And everybody, you can find them at um, shamansociety.org, not .com, .org. Okay. And you can find Tammy at wildfeminine.com. <laughs> you can yeah. contact her at Tammy, T-A-M-I, um, at wildfeminine.com. So for those of you who don't know, because you're sleeping under a rock, Tammy is a, wins, is a woman's health uh, physical therapist, founder of the Holistic Pelvic Care for Women, and the author of The Wild Feminine, Finding Power, Spirit, and Joy in the Female Body. She is passionate about cultivating the creative energy, beauty, and wildness that is meant to run through all aspects of a woman's life. With a master's degree in physical therapy and the ability to read energetic patterns of the body, Tammy provides a bridge between the realms of modern medicine and the traditional women's wisdom. Her work offers a path for deep clearing and reclamation. And in particular today, we're going to talk about this as it relates to integration of shamanic healing and soul retrieval. Uh, Tammy has a whole bunch of training. (laughs) And many degrees, and I am lucky enough to say that she lives here in Portland, Oregon, uh, with me, uh, with her husband and three sons. And um, we give great thanks to you for being with us on the show here. So, thank you. Yeah, and everybody, we are live today. We haven't been live for a couple weeks, but we are live today. I'm back, safe and sound, from Croatia. And Mm -hmm. if you have questions about today's topic, please call in. Um, if you have questions that aren't about today's topic, then just email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Um, so, Tammy, as you reflect on your life, um, what are the truly pivotal moments that brought you to this particular work in your life? I mean, you could have just done what they taught you in school and mm-hmm. been a good mm-hmm. girl and followed state yeah. lines, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So what inspired yeah. you? color outside of the line so beautifully? Yeah, so I think a couple of things come to mind. One is I had the blessing of knowing that I had the ability to sense things with my hands. Just as soon as I started following my heart towards body work and body medicine, and as soon as I put my hands on people, I started to feel things and feel the communication of the energy and the body. And as I did that, I was also very passionate about women's health and wanted to connect with the women's health um, in some way, but not really knowing how that might look, just knowing that that was a spark inside of me. And what really brought me to this deeper place was the way that the female body was crying out, that I could hear really in deep despair. And I think I started as a women's health physical therapist, which is very medical model. And for those who don't know, it has still many beautiful tools for women's health. Um, It's a physical medicine that works on the alignment of the pelvic bowl. So often women who have um, issues, pain, incontinence, but really it could be general women's medicine, kind of like you might go to a chiropractor or a body worker for alignment. The pelvic bowl really is in need of more assistance in that way. But I would put my hands, I worked at a hospital, I put my hands on the female pelvis, and there was so much grief. 
And I think it's because we have forgotten mostly how to listen to this part of ourselves somewhat collectively, although ancient people still have this knowledge in the pockets around the globe. Um, and it's why I feel such a kinship with shamanism and shaman medicine, although I've never studied it formally, because it's the people that remember that the body is alive and connected to this deep place of spirit, of ancestor, of the land, that the body can still communicate when people know that. And it's when we've been mostly in the more Western world where we've forgotten that the body is crying out to us. And so it was putting my hands on mostly Western women and then recognizing the whole in myself of, I've forgotten how to listen to this place. I don't have the language. I've lost the language of this. And how can I reclaim it? So I, you know, I'm sitting here um, listening and thinking of a story I don't think I've shared before because it's a very personal story. I don't usually get quite this personal on my radio show, but I will say that in my very early 20s, I was working for the phone company. That's not the personal part. But anyway, so I'm in my little business suit with my high-heeled shoes and my earrings and my enormous shoulder pads because it was the 80s. And um, <laughs> on a monthly basis, I would pass out at work. Mm-hmm. It's very, a, very embarrassing to pass out and find yourself under a table in the middle of a business meeting. It was very embarrassing. Mm-hmm. But it was also dangerous because I would often sort of feel it coming on and excuse myself and sort of head toward the bathroom and then pass out and almost, you know, smack my head on the toilet bowl or something like that. So yeah. it was embarrassing, but it was really dangerous. And I'm lying on the floor of the bathroom in this corporate office in my business suit, just going, this is ridiculous. There is no way indigenous women live this way because we, right. humanity is dead by now. And the right. reason I'm passing out is because I was in such excruciating pain from pain premenstrual symptoms and and the pain so huge it was just overwhelming my ability to stay upright and I thought that's dumb this this can't be the way it's always been and so what I did is I and and I'm 20 something so not real smart yet right but I just started that followed that line of thinking and came to understand that what was happening in my way of, you know, my simplistic understanding at, you know, 22 years old was that I was simply denying this experience of being a woman and trying to essentially act like a man, go to work and pretend it wasn't. And so what I started doing was taking sick days. So I didn't have Mm -hmm. to go to work and I could do whatever I felt like doing. And I wasn't sick, but the whole idea that I should act as if this wasn't happening was sick. And funny thing, ladies, I stopped having PMS symptoms on the spot and have never had them since. Yeah. Start when you this- when you are living in alignment with your life, most women don't have menstrual symptoms anymore. I mean, with your soul life. And when you're living in alignment with the, the energy flow and the creative rhythm that's meant to move through you, when you're in touch with that and you're listening to it and you're working with it and your life is flowing from that place, the tension dissolves, the physical and the energetic tension that is causing the pain and for the most part, it dissolves. Sometimes you need a little assistant with a body worker or someone to assist because these patterns are so entrenched. Even for generations, we haven't been listening. So there is a lot of pain built up there, and it's real pain, but it's also physical and energetic congestion from not living in an alignment with this creative flow that's meant to move through us. 
So I, I also, though, was listening to just your very beginning thing and thinking, okay, great. What is my male chiropractor going to do? Because he, you know, it's like he barely can touch me now because of all the rules around this, that, and the other thing. You know? Right. Yes. It's really Yes. Yes, I think that's a challenge, too. I, I, you know, at this point with the work I do, with the internal work, I'm primarily teaching women mm-hmm. how to do it. I think in some ways maybe it is belonging in the hands of the women, the medicine, sure. and sometimes that's appropriate. Um, so, you know, maybe there is a gender line there that there's some purpose around it. But the main thing is even being able to you as a female, begin to listen and understand even beyond the finding a healer. That's why I wrote Wild Feminine was, you know, it, it began kind of a decade-long journey. But from my time working in the hospital, working on women's bodies and helping them physically align, but knowing there's this huge grief energy that I would feel, and I didn't really have the words for it at the time. It would just be this heaviness that would be in the room. And I began to search in many in alternate texts and alternate studies and my own deep soul searching, I, I began a practice of going to the river and drumming and listening to the spirits and asking for information. And so over time was able to understand a framework that is in Wild Feminine. And it, it's very much like the ancient medicine. So just hearing you call in the blessing and talk with the ancestors and call up the energy through the root, through the root and the earth and the sky and mixing in our bodies. This is what our bodies know. This is what came to me. It's what is at the basis of all energy medicine in the ancient times, that there is this way in which we embody spirit and we are divine and we're in a body, but we're carrying the spirit information. As such, we need to honor it. We need to listen. We need to give prayer and thanks because that's part of our energy. That's part of who we are. That's part of what makes us come alive. And coming back to that, when I wrote Wild Feminine, it was really meant as a self-care guide so that each woman might start to understand the medicine she carries. She might start to remember the language. She might start to, again, know what we once upon a time did know and in some places, I believe, still do. I've always wondered, you know, if we didn't teach, if we didn't devalue women and their knowing, I've always thought, you know, if you just left a woman to her own devices, she could probably deliver her own child in the wilderness. I mean, it, got to be encoded or humanity well, would be especially if things are intact i think in places where there's and do you know what i mean by that it's um where people have a memory of their potential yes we have come a long way for that so i think we need more assistance because we're trying to repair the fractures the the devaluation the 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 way that we haven't been taught how to tune in and connect and listen um one very simple example of that is is similar to what you were saying about your menstrual cycle, what you didn't know as a young woman. Well, as I began to work with women's bodies and started to learn more about the creative rhythm that flows through them, one thing I noticed is that women who were menstruating had a more permeable energy field. So they were a little bit more open and kind of accessible to the energy currents around them, which is why women often have a PMS because they're more sensitive to energy, which is why it's good to somewhat shield or protect or be in more natural environments like the earth that is naturally balancing and not so much in an office environment, which is closed off from air and might have a lot of um, computer currents or other things. So there's this way in which we are more sensitive and you weren't taught that because no one really gives that information to young women. And I was um, listening to a teacher of mine who teaches the Mayan uh, abdominal massage, Rosita Arvigo, who's beautifully bridged um, some of the ancient Maya work with modern techniques. And she was telling a story about her shaman teacher, Don Eligio, who was a very powerful shaman in Belize, 
uh, who she studied with for 13 years from his 80s until he died at age 103 in the 80s. So he was alive at the turn of the century. And he shared this beautiful story that in his village, they would listen to the dreams of the menstruating women around the fire because those dreams were understood to contain psychic information for the whole village. And that sort of knowing that the women are the portals, that they have certain times when they're accessing information and that we should listen is so far from where we are today. But I think we can go back and begin to remember that. And it, it fundamentally shifts where we live from and where we move from if we understand that truth and we restore it to that place of fullness. Well, and when you think about it, it, it if, if, a, if a young girl from the time she begins menstruating once a month is taken into the moon lodge to sort of quote unquote moon lodge. So taken out of the everyday busyness of things and reminded that this is the time that you have access. And oh, by the way, here are some teachings to, to be with that access, to make that access, that permeability even more useful to your people. You know, and over all of these years, once a month, they just very organically, you yes. learn to to connect deeply yes. and to do yes. so not only for yourself and your family, but for your people. No wonder the grandmothers felt <laughs> the wisdom exactly. by you know, They've been being yes. trained from the time they were 13, yes. by month, by month. It's beautiful. Yes, yes. Yeah. And, and, and the people are holding that as a treasure uh, rather than something negative or something they've forgotten even what it serves, you know. And the way I live and, and mother, you know, I'm also teaching my sons. When I have my bleeding time, it's it's something that I've been open about from the time they were little. So they understand, you know, they might pass by the bathroom and know that I have a bleeding time because they'll see blood. And, you know, there's always a phase where a child kind of goes through an ooh with the blood. And I have always said to them, this is sacred blood. This is what nourishes each one of us from the time when we are conceived, this is our first nourishment is so precious. And that kind of planting shifts everything. When they understand it in that way, as beautiful, as powerful, and I have three sons, so I'm teaching them a little differently. It's not leading time that moves through them, but I'm teaching them to be honoring, to be protectors of that space, to understand the beauty and power of it. And to hold that at their earliest cellular layer, because I'm reflecting, no, this is beautiful, and this is your earliest beginning, too. And then they move forward in a different way. So I have a couple practical questions. Just um, This is just making me think of some basics before we forge even deeper. So what is your sense? I'm sure you've thought about this as... I was going to wait till the very end, but this, this information is critically important to the men as well. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Do you have a why? Like, yeah. you know, like if you're at the bar and they said, well, why should we pay attention to your wild feminine book? <laughs> right. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, men have been some of the best supporters and best lovers of this information because many of them do love and cherish the female body. And for them, it's almost easier to embrace it because, well, why wouldn't you love this precious space? It's almost the opposite where I have to teach women to move past the shame that they may have encountered around menstruation, around being female, around being feeling weaker, whatever they've encountered, to then come back to know the power and the truth of their center. It has relevance for everyone, and this is why. In Wild Feminine, I draw a diagram that took me about seven years to even 
comprehend it. And what I was trying to do was draw the mystery of what I was seeing. So when I would work on the pelvic bowl with a woman and be in that space with her, this profound energy would come into the room. And it's really that creative life force that comes in because this is a doorway. We have access to spirit in this place because for thousands of generations, a person has come in and then given birth, and particularly mothers are lined up as mother and then daughter, and then she comes in, and then there's this line, this lineage of cellular information. But it's a doorway, it's a link to spirit that every woman carries in her body. And every male, of course, is born here too. Now, he doesn't carry this within him, but he is a vital part of it. If he understands that this doorway is also where he comes in, he will honor it and protect it, and the whole community will have more access to that vibrant, creative life force energy that's meant to come in for us all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's when we forget that, that that was our entry point, which is our deep connection with spirit, of spirit coming into form, that we begin to create these things that are either unfulfilling on the mild, you know, if we're going to go mild, it's maybe an uninspired kind of dead feeling life. That might be the best you could get from that, from forgetting that place. And the worst is that this this greed and this toxic pattern that will destroy our earth. So Mm -hmm. when we forget this place, we lose touch with, with what is our deepest potential as humans. And when we remember and come back to this place, we are fed in the deepest, most beautiful, full-filled way, just like a deep spring from the earth. It is all we need, and it it not only feeds us, it inspires us and brings I, us into our form. Yeah. So I just wanted to point out something that you said, because it's an idea that I've been bringing out in different shows, and here it's showing up again, which is that the threshold can't protect itself, or it can't be a threshold anymore. You know, so this doorway, and, and as you said, you know, when, when right. men understand this, it's natural to want to protect it because they value it. Yes. And, and they understand that it carries the life force energy for them, too. Even though they don't hold it quite directly in their body, they are an integral part of it. Yeah, but if, they, if, if, if an energy doesn't come in to protect it, then the doorway can't be as freely accessible. It's like the heart. You know, the heart yeah. doesn't do a good job protecting itself. It needs to be protected so the heart can be open. You know, it's like exactly. Entry dualistic energy that they're not antagonistic. That the and also this idea that a a doorway should just be forever open, spewing energy without any protection or tending or care is kind of a childlike idea of things. Doesn't really work that way. But no, beautiful. No, and yes, it's more in touch with the true ebb and flow, which is more soulful. It's even when you were describing that office scene, my heart was aching for the men in that too because. Um, you know, even though we talk about it, 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 it was a patriarchal kind of masculine system, but it's not true masculine. It was the distorted masculine with no feminine. And when we have the feminine, the more robust the feminine is, the more robust the masculine. The more robust the masculine, then the more robust the feminine. It comes in and we have this more whole form. And I think raising sons, too, has been so eye-opening for me because they're so beautiful. They're so vibrant. They have so much life force energy when they have access to the feminine. And so one of my key roles as a mother, bringing in the feminine, 
for the community has been also to sort of study it with boys. And I spend a lot of time helping them kind of stay in touch with the feminine. And by that, I mean that that deep emotional side, that intuitive side, that energy-sensing side, the nonverbal, more holistic side, um, the artistic side, all of that. And what it's creating is such vibrant males. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So nobody did well in that office no. world. <laughs> I mean, you know, so many... So many men died unfulfilled living lives in an office forever. You know, it, I, it, it benefits us both genders to come out of that kind of reality that didn't really serve us into one that does. So I have a couple more just kind of practical questions. One of the things that people always say, especially women with this look of dread on their faces, oh, my God, what do I do now? You know, my womb has already been removed. And I do talk about that a few times in Wild Feminine, and I've had the opportunity to feel this. The energy center is completely there. Um, <laughs> it's there. It's so powerful and so deep and so cellular that even when you remove the organ, the energy center is still there. It's just that part of the reason it might have needed to have been removed is because of the disconnect in the first place. So it's just an extra reason to come and connect more deeply, to do the healing that might not have gotten done in the energetic space and not over the loss, but instead come into connection. Now, sometimes coming into connection in the pelvic bowl, whether whether you've had a hysterectomy or just that you're reconnecting, the first thing you're going to run into is pain and, and blockage and shutdown. It's not always easy. You know, it's like a clearing of the energy. You first have to come into those places of disconnect, of pain, of discomfort. Even when you called in the grandmothers in that prayer, the first thing I felt was a sadness. And it's because the grandmothers aren't called upon enough, you know? So when they come in and when you call on them, they're so glad that we're, they're being called, but mm-hmm. they also feel the weight of there's not, you know, needing more, more juice, more energy, more people calling and understanding that we're deeply connected and in debt to those ancestors. So we need to be talking to them and acknowledging them and blessing them and giving thanks. So, I've come to relationship of knowing that sometimes when you first come in, the first thing you get is a download of some grief or some sadness, not to get stuck there, not to, um, to stop because of that, but know that part of it. It's like in cultures where they do grief ceremonies, that's understood that grief is part of life. You need to get in contact with it and move it in order that you might feel the joy. So, you know, part of it is getting in touch with some of the, the discomfort from the disconnect that may not even be yours, but maybe from the lineage of lack, you know, of, of scarcity, of not honoring the feminine. And in Wild Feminine, I do write quite a bit about that, about grief, about rage, about deep sadness and fear, and knowing that those are part of the past. But ultimately, what we're doing is healing. It's like a spider web, you know, it's like this beautiful web of life. Each time we go in and we touch in, we're strengthening and healing that web of life that exists in us. And ultimately, it benefits the community because each one that does their work is another part of that piece. So there's a uh, so many directions to go in. What is uh-huh. a host? Um. <laughs> uh-huh, uh-huh. This is deep. It touches everything. Everything. So one of the things in, because one of the main things I do as a shamanic healer is soul retrieval work, which goes back to the traumatic or abusive moments in a person's life that they have not been able to resolve satisfactorily in any other way. 
Most people don't start with a shamanic healer. They usually come as a last resort, but that's changing. Anyway, because of that, there's a whole range, of course, of sexual trauma that you end up witnessing with with men and women. Mm -hmm. But it can be as simple, and I don't mean to undermining it, but I mean simple Mm -hmm. as having man or a woman's first actually conscious sexual experience be with someone who's not a good person. Yeah, right. All the way yeah. to what we would consider legally and therapeutically sexual abuse or sexual mm-hmm. trauma. Mm-hmm. But depending on the person and how things are integrated within the person, those mm-hmm. experience either from that that simple first time was horrible to mm-hmm. it was repeatedly horrible can really mm-hmm. get stuck in the the in the bowl basically. Yeah. Yeah. So, Yes. You know, I may be able to bring back the part of themselves that they disconnected from, but there's mm-hmm. still this, I feel mm-hmm. like there's still this, um, like walking mm-hmm. on eggshells of not letting the integration of that healing root into mm-hmm. that bowl and really change the way mm-hmm. they are sexually. It's like they have this sexual yeah. way that they yeah. are and that doesn't mm-hmm. quite change. Well, I think part of it is that we still have this loaded meaning around the bowl and partially it's some of the puritanical roots, I think, that are still here. I think some other cultures maybe are a little bit more free. But, um, you know, I think one is as a practitioner that maybe, you know, doing meditations or or whatnot with people, think of it just like the heart. Take the sexuality out of it a little bit and just think of it like the heart and think about all the deep wounding that's done um, in healing the heart and just drop it a little lower to that pelvic bowl because the pelvic bowl is very similar to their heart. There are very many links between the two, especially in women because of the womb. They're said that, you know, there's like a whole energy channel that runs between them. But in both men and women, there's such creative potential in that place because it is where we make life, right? It's such a spark of life. So if we can take this sexuality out for a little bit and all the loading and just go with pure life force energy, and think about the bowl a little more like the heart with the kind of energy power of healing that the heart contains, because there is this potent medicine. And because I work and have worked with thousands of women, what I've found, and so many have been abused because it's so prevalent, and even if they haven't, maybe their mother was or their father was, it's so common. And what has struck me is that always, the potency of that medicine is so much stronger than any other imprint. And it's just waiting there to be opened. And I think more of the issue is that either as practitioners, we're so afraid of the sexuality, we don't really drop down into that energy center and just treat it as an energy center. And or the, the person themselves has has been exiled by the imprint of what's happened instead of really recognizing the medicine, especially if something happened as a child that gets pretty deeply imprinted. So often my task is I'm just bringing them down into awareness. Partly that is a presence of just bringing your 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 intention and your awareness down to your pelvic bowl. Sometimes I'll have them even place their hand over their bowl. You know, let's not even talk about the internal work. If you just have them place the hand over the bowl and drop their awareness down, sometimes it just takes practice because we don't even really access or think of that part of the body. And because we're not walking barefoot on the earth, bleeding into the earth, we don't sometimes have our root connection as strong, even just because of that. You know, we're up in our heads, we're using computers. So it's just dropping that awareness down and beginning to feel what's actually there, which is so much more than any imprint. It's the beauty and power of life. And 
I've never yet had a person say, oh, yeah, there's nothing there. You know, it's like it might be it might take a little bit to feel it or sense it or bring awareness to it or or allow themselves to open to it. And then once they do, they're off and running with what they've found because it is where life generates. It's so potent. So, Tammy, is this sort of uh, part of what you mean when you talk about how this medicine, this medicine of the bowl, can't be damaged? Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. Well, that partially has um, a role in this story that I may not have time to tell in full, but I felt like it was a vision set to me um, to guide me on my journey. I told you I was sort of doing this dual path of working in this medical model, but then deepening into this interface of energy, body, medicine. And I did a lot of prayer spirit around that. I would go to the earth either in just my yard or I would travel to the, the rivers in Portland or I would go to the ocean and just talk to spirit. And the more that we do this, the more we set up a communication, not just with our bodies, but with these deeper spiritual planes that are really all around us and are part of us if we will just remember to talk with them. And so I had this experience of feeling pregnant. This was after my second son. I mean, sorry, my first son. I had was had my first child and he was about too. And that also really opened me up energetically to the connection of spirit in my own womb. And I felt pregnant this particular summer when he was about two. And I couldn't quite, but there was no, I was still nursing, so I wasn't having my cycle. So I had no way to know if I was pregnant. My husband and I weren't trying to have a child. But there's just this tangible experience of fullness. And my son, who was in that age where they still are kind of aware and permeable and touching to spirit, said, Mama, oh, there's a baby in your belly. And I said, that's what—that's how I feel. I feel like there's a baby in here. Well, long story short, I ended up waking up a few weeks after that one morning just with this powerful grief. I, I had never felt anything like it in my life. It was just this intense heaviness. And I felt like I needed to go somewhere where I could really be with spirit. So I decided to go to Brighton Bush. And I, it was a day when it was just my son and I. And I woke up and called, and they had no space. And I just really cried out to spirit, I, I, I need to, this is where I feel called to go. Please let a space open for us. And I began to drive. And at some point, I took a break and called, and a space had opened up. And so we continued our journey. We, we made it all the way to Brighton Bush, went to one of the tubs, and I got into the water with my little son. And all of a sudden, I had this incredibly sharp pain on my right side. And I've done a lot of energy work with myself and with other healers. And so I thought, well, this is some sort of healing, so I'm going to work with this. But it became very intense. And I knew it was going to be too much very quickly. And these three women walked through the trees right then. And I said, are any of you healers? And they said, we all are. And, you know, it's Brighton Bush. So, of course, there's a lot of um, like-minded people. And so they came into the water. And I have thought of them as the three goddesses from this experience because they came into the water without question. And they held me, one sat with my son, one sat and held my head. And she had these beautiful, pendulous breaths. And I laid my head back against her. And it was like being held by the great mother. And then one sat and worked with my womb. And I had this complete experience where I went into a birth. I had birthed my first son, so I knew what labor felt like. But all of a sudden, I was in this intense breathing, and I was giving birth to something. And I completely surrendered to it and let these women help me, which isn't really typical of me to give that much trust to people I don't know. But I completely surrendered to this experience and just let myself go into it and allow this energy to move through me and be birthed. And while that was happening, so I'm breathing, I'm in a birth movement, I I feel like I'm laboring. I, I don't quite know what's happening, but I'm not really questioning it. I'm just trusting it, feeling completely held. 
I saw the image of this beautiful spirit energy rise up out of my body, and it looked kind of like one of the deities in India. And in that moment, she said, the feminine can never be destroyed. That was what I heard in my head. And it felt very harsh. <laughs> it wasn't really maybe the message I wanted to hear. But, um, but that's what I heard. And so I allowed myself to just witness it and, and, and see it and, and be with it. And eventually that image kind of dispersed and I came back to myself and my breathing softened and it came more to just, you know, sit up a little bit and kind of look around and then began to talk to these women. Well, the woman who had sat with my son had just lost her 22-year-old son in a tragic car accident the week before. And so she felt like being in this, whatever it was, had just been such a gift for her because she was in such deep grief. I didn't know exactly what had happened, but I felt like I had birthed something, and I had certainly witnessed something profound. And, you know, we sat and talked for a little while longer. I spent some time with my child in the tub, and then we ended up driving back to Portland. And a few days later, I still felt pregnant. And so I took a pregnancy test, and it was positive. And it was the first one that had been positive. And I thought, well, this is just so strange. I don't know what's happening. And um, long story short, I was taking a shower later that day, and my son walked by and said, Mama, there's no baby in your belly. And I said, well, there, I just took this test. And, you know, these are the kinds of conversations I have with my children. So I said, you know, I, I think I am pregnant, honey. And he said, no, Mama, there's no baby. <laughs> and I think it was spirit speaking through him and just giving me a window to what was happening. Um, that night I went to bed and still puzzled and woke early in the morning dreaming that I was bleeding and then did bleed and then did miscarry or had something that was like a miscarriage. And so it took me years to really ponder that experience and kind of understand what had happened. And I felt like it was a few things. One, I think spirit was trying to really tell me because I had actively started writing Wild Feminine at that point. I started in 2001 after September 11th happened because I saw the imprint of the trauma energy and the women that came to see me all the way across the country and, and felt called on a collective level to add to the understanding of our bodies, how they register things and how we can access healing and not just be in the trauma, how we move from the trauma back to the resonance and the healing. So September 11th was deeply influential for me as a healer and I began writing and so this was in about 2002 and I felt like spirit was trying to say this is the power of the body this is a portal this is a place that we can understand medicine and there are things that move through that if you really will tap into this place you will understand the power and potential and I feel that that spirit then became that I miscarried deeply became woven in wild feminine and became the spirit essence of that book and I feel like her message of the feminine can never be destroyed was actually a profound message of hope of saying it doesn't matter what humanity has been through, what you've been through as individuals, there's still this powerful feminine if you will reach back and remember and call it through and call it into your body and into your lives and into your communities and into the whole world that it's there. It cannot be destroyed. So in in your book, what would be the direct or the, the maybe the simplest, the basic, where do people begin to to connect with and access that yeah. that power? Yes. I know and that's that's both the challenge and I do try to break it down into simplicity. I think what we're talking about is the multidimensional potential that we each have. 
Um, so how do you define that? And yet, I like to try and define it because that's the beginning of relearning it. It's like learning a language, you know. It, it's such a, how, do you, how do you learn all the nuances of a culture and language? Well, you have to start somewhere and have to break it down. So in Wild Feminine, that's why I wrote the model of the Wild Feminine landscape, which I, it's kind of three concentric circles, really. There's the physical that I draw in the center is the pelvic bowl. Then there's the energy of the organs and the imprints that we hold there. And then around that is the energy of spirit and ancestor. And all that can come into us or we can expand out and draw it. And so it is a multidimensional form, but on the simplest level, it's bringing awareness to your own center, actually feeling your physical body and beginning to understand that there's an energy current there that you can access and begin to communicate with. And so a couple simple ways to do that are one is bringing your intentional awareness to a space you will actually change the energy. So if you take your awareness from your head down to your heart, we know that we change the way that we move and feel and see and perceive and interact. That is also true if you drop it down a little further to that pelvic bowl. And if you move with more and more connection from that place, it will impact every subtle action and ultimately change the course of your life. Because if you're moving from that place, you will respond differently. You will tap into things differently. So bringing awareness, first just an intentional, I'm connecting to this space, that's the first step. Another way to work with the energy is using breath, breathing into the ovaries, breathing into the womb. And I I talk about specifically how to do that, but just bringing breath and connection and sensation to that part of yourself. Another way is to use inner vision, visualizing. So I like to teach women, there's an exercise in Wild Feminine called pelvic bowl things where I teach them to drop their awareness down and think of the pelvic bowl like a singing bowl, that um, when it finds its resonance, it plays a beautiful melody. And sometimes we have to come in and clarify the bowl. Sometimes we have to work with the breath in the bowl. And so in that pelvic bowl things, I teach women to drop down to the pelvic bowl, connect into the earth energy, walk around that bowl in their mind's eye, squeeze the energy and clarify it, and breathe into the ovaries and really energize that space. Whether or not you still have your ovaries, you're energizing the energy potential on each side with your intentional breath. Come to the womb as a sacred altar and set intentions there. So think about what are my creative intentions presently? What am I creating or working on creating in my life? Again, as women, we have a powerful manifestation ability, and if we aren't careful, we can manifest more struggle. So if we focus on the scarcity or the challenges or the problems, We will energize those with our powerful energy system. So it might be, you know, if you're having uh, an off-balance day or you're having a not-very-peaceful day, may I find peace and full resonance in my center? Or if you're having a challenge with money or feeling like there's some scarcity in relationships, may I find the love that I deserve? May I receive abundance in all areas of my life? And you're carrying that intention. And then you walk around your bowl and bless the space because, again, just that beautiful blessing you had at the beginning, that the blessings call in the helpful energy, and I see it when people do that. The power of the energy they carry with them completely changes. So just simply blessing your beautiful body, giving thanks to your creative potential, um, bringing blessings to your center, that brings an alignment that then helps your creative flow and will ultimately help how you carry this in your day. As I'm listening to you, I, I hear... Um... A, not only really great challenges for my listeners, you got three options, people. <laughs> but, <laughs> but B, there's so much overlay with um, the Taoistic uh, practices for male and female practitioners of Qigong. I mean, it, yeah. it, it, yeah. everybody's got a pelvic bowl, so right. <laughs> don't right. be afraid to use it, people. <laughs> no. Yes, but, and you know you what's know, interesting is so much of this 
for me, I have just done an intimate study with particularly the female body, but then I've also come home and I've, I've witnessed this in sun, so in the male body, just in that form. So, you know, I've, I've been listening to the body, and I think what, what that verifies is how much ancient medicine that's in touch with the body says the same thing, whether it's Ayurvedic or it's Mayan or it's, um, you know, Native American or um, Taoist. There's this similarity because it's just deeply listening to the body and giving the body and the energy system what is needed for balance and for wholeness. And that everything begins in that procreative center. I mean, it can't begin anywhere yeah. else. It begins there, and no. then it moves, and then it yeah. moves. And it's there's, move an impor- yes, there's an important point with that, too, is take the sexuality off of it and start with just life force. You know, we all begin here as babies. And we travel down through that canal, and it's a sacred doorway where we enter. And that's the first impulse. Um, sexuality is a, an added layer later, but it's kind of a more advanced one. And I think sometimes we haven't even fully gotten that impulse of the life force energy first. And that's mm-hmm. really what we need first. You know, it's like it's like a garden where you're planting seeds, and those seeds are coming up into form. You know, that's what we have in our center. So start with that before you're trying to actually take of that fruit and, and, and eat from it. You want to actually start with the impulse of how to tend it, how to, how to grow it. I'm just snickering a little bit because I can hear listeners going, oh, wait, is it the first, first chakra or the, the second chakra? Wait, where am I supposed to? <laughs> and I think that's part of the reason with um, shamanic practices and my own, actually, that I've started just talking about the procreative center and this, just the lower yeah. aspect of the body yeah. and not distinguishing this first and second chakra um, as a split because that whole area is really working as a great wholeness, a great togetherness. It absolutely is. And I think, you know, when I first was looking into the pelvic bowl and kind of understanding, I I also looked into the chakras and kind of was really curious about them. And I think they're interesting. But when I see how the bowl works, it works more as a whole unit. And that's mm-hmm. in males and females. And there's a lot of movement, you know, up and down and back and forward. You know, it is a multidimensional space. So it's not as linear as, you know, as we might make it to try to understand it. it there's a lot of movement back and forth, um, up and down, uh, that is, it's more whole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you said something a little bit earlier um, in, in talking about another idea about the link between the womb and the heart. Would you like to talk mm-hmm. some more about that? Yeah, I think, you know, well, there's a couple things. One, we as, you know, one of, one of the first things we talk about when we confirm a pregnancy is the heartbeat of that baby, and that is in the mother's womb. So all of our hearts were first held by the womb. And I think that's worth pondering, that there's such a deep connection to the the great mother, if you will. And in that first heartbeat, in that first alive, I'm alive, I'm here. And so there's a direct link there for each one of us between the womb and the heart, whether you're male or female. I think that also means sometimes there's pain there um, that may need to be healed, especially if your mother wasn't very connected to her mothering capacity. And by that, I mean the truth of being connected to the great mother, that ever-nourishing, ever-life-giving, sometimes intense and, you know, is, is the Kali force, too. But often, if there's 
a disconnect, it starts there, and it may need to be healed. And that's where I think if you are one of those who didn't have an ideal mothering experience, coming back to the earth and allowing yourself to be held by the great mother presence in the earth, lying down on the earth, sitting under a tree, really allowing yourself to receive can be so healing when those imprints weren't as full or as fulfilling as your little heart might have liked. So it's not too late. You know, it can be something that can be re-imprinted. And it can be a practice. When you go out and you sit in a sunbeam, for example, really feel that sun and feel it as the loving touch of a mother and let it help heal your heart. Or, or if it was a positive experience, just help it strengthen it. So that's one of the first connections I think of. And then for women, there's a very strong link between the heart and the creative energy. And I think it's partially because women are in, innately creative. And if they feel creative, they are more able to access their heart energy, their heart flow. And if they feel stifled or they got the message they weren't creative or couldn't be creative, whatever in whatever way, it often will have ramifications for their heart. So it's very important to have that creative flow. And, you know, as I'm talking about this, I'm thinking, I think that's true for men, too. As I think about my sons, they may not have a womb inside them, but they have that energy potential around them of the womb. And one thing I'm noticing is it's really important for my boys to access creativity, too. So maybe it's just thinking along that. If we want our hearts to be full, if we want our hearts to be strong, we need to be in touch with what makes us feel alive and creative. It's, it's still true, though, like you said, that the greater medicine of the bowl is still present because it yeah. can't be damaged. And so, so even if the mom was you know, on pharmaceutical, I mean, even if there was a bunch of icky right. stuff right, right. in the actual, you know, that, that, that larger energy is still present. We are not, each of us is not bound then by the no. limitations of our parent. Exactly. And, so, and I think it's important to recognize that and start healing it rather than living with the scarcity. Cause yeah. there is a way that I think you can feel like you're beholden to that, that level of whatever you got. And so it, the deeper truth was there. Too. Yes. Yes. And so one way to work on that is to actually go to the earth or let yourself be held and also allow your creative energy to flow in whatever way, you know, how you kind of lose yourself when you're in that really creative mm-hmm. field of whatever it is for you, whether it's gardening or cooking or dancing or writing or making ritual or can even be parenting. It's whatever makes you feel that creative flow you're really healing something and strengthening something regardless of the imprint of what you received. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then, as you said, you know, then, and then to be able to connect to the creative force in your pelvis is equally important male and female. Yeah. Yes. And I think part of it is it's just run a little differently. You know, yeah. um, women in general do tend to be more internal and internalize things a lot. And that can be, um, It's really important to have good energy boundaries because of that and be really clear on what you're taking in and what you're not and so that you're not running things deeply through your center that you don't even need to, but it's just a habit. So, you know, just getting more clear about energy, what's beneficial, what serves you by connecting with your body, by having a meditation practice where you connect in and you know your center, you know when you feel off balance, you know when you've taken in too much and you can begin to clarify it and take better care. Um, and males don't tend to run things quite as internally. 
but they still need to find a center point, you know, and find that place of that touching in that helps them ground, that helps them center. Um, they also have a wonderful way of moving energy and bringing energy into form and building things and creating things. And so, you know, just finding the way that you run your energy and, and making it as beneficial for you and then bringing that to the community is wonderful. Well, we could talk about this absolutely all day. I have a couple really practical questions before we run out of time here. The first one would be, is there um, a handful of um, symptoms, for lack of a better word, that um, our clients would be presenting that would make us as practitioners say, you need to read this book? (laughs) Yes. Yes. Well, probably almost everyone, and I say that only because we we are so collectively disconnected from that creative center. I I think everyone needs to kind of relearn how to come back and actually access this energy. It's been almost forgotten, but not quite. And so everyone coming back to that, you know, that that creative center and understanding how to interface with it is really important. Um, Certainly, whenever there's been trauma, whenever there's been um, negative imprinting from either traumatic experiences, either sexually or as young children, because um, this, again, is connected to the great mother energy. And if a person has a fracture, we're still doing a lot of talking about things. And that's not healing. Um, and the shamanic uh, practitioners, I think, are doing the best job of actually bringing healing in. But they might need to just bring it in a little bit more fully to the bowl. You know, not mm-hmm. be scared themselves or not be um, ignoring that part, but really tapping into it and accessing it. I think what I've found in the pelvic bowl is there's so much resource for um, healing, for calling in those parts, for coming back to center for um, releasing energy. Um, the womb is the best releaser because, you know, she releases the blood and the babies and she's powerful. And just like the ancestors, when we start calling on our womb energy, the womb is so happy to be called upon. And mm-hmm. she is our connection to the grandmother and the great mother. And so um, I think um, accessing that for anyone that's had um, limiting imprints is a way for them to to access more fully and more deeply. And then there's also physical symptoms, too. You know, sometimes the body will talk, and there is um, anyone that has any fertility, pelvic imbalances, pelvic pain, pain with um, menstruation, um, sexual challenges, all those things can be helped by connecting more fully and, and knowing how to dialogue with the body. So, Tammy, tell us what, what is... Uh, the book is being re-released, or... No, correct? it's actually, so I had originally self-published it. It is now um, in print. Uh, last year it was published by a combination of Beyond Birds Patriot Books. And so it is just out there in force and it's traveling around the world. And I'm getting emails from people around the world. So it's, um, it's a very organic and it kind of has a mind of its own. But it's um, everyone <laughs> that <laughs> picks it up and passes along. I mean, a lot of it is word of mouth, women's. And men are men are bringing it to their partners or their daughters. Um, women are picking it up and passing it to friends and mothers and sisters, and and so it's just you know traveling on its own path. And you know I really work with spirit in that way. I am a mother of young children, so I don't go out and travel a lot and promote the book. I talk with spirit and ask that spirit holds it, and I am um, you know stay very local with my family. 
Well, and thank you so I much, have, Tammy, oh. for being with us here today. And thank you for your work. And thank you for writing The Wild Feminine, Finding Power, Spirit, and Joy in the Female Body. You all can find that at the usual places. And you can connect with Tammy at wildfeminine.com. Thank you and all Christina, for being with there's a second book coming out in February, I must say, too, that's all about mothering, mothering from your center. And it's the energy medicine applied specifically to mothering. So that will be out in February. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, for listening today. Thanks to the ancestors, the earth, the sky, and the heart that unites us all. Thank you, everyone, for being with us this week.